7. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. Just skip down to verse 23. So we fasted and entreated our God for this, and he answered our prayer. Turn over a few pages to Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 4. We've already studied this, that uh, Nehemiah asked, how are the um, brothers and sisters doing in Jerusalem? He heard the report. The walls were broken down and the gates were burned with fire. Verse 4, so it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Now turn to the book of Esther. The book of Esther that we are looking at this week. And we, we read this morning that Mordecai I appealed to Esther and said, Esther, you need to go before the king. They're going to wipe out our whole nation, our, we as people. And, and Esther said, well, you know, if I go in without the king's permission, and it wasn't like they'd had a close relationship because she said, I haven't, I haven't been in to see him for 30 days. So it wasn't like things were going well. Um, she said, if I go in, that means I'll be dead if he doesn't want me in there. And Mordecai, I said, well, you either go or God will raise up someone else to save this nation. And she appealed to him and, and said in verse 15, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night and day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Well, you can see the common thread in all of this is Ezra fasted, Nehemiah fasted, Esther and Mordecai fasted, and we understand in all of these the mighty working of God, a common thread in all of these was that the people fasted. So we we ask ourselves, okay, what about fasting? What is fasting? Fasting is voluntarily setting aside fleshly appetites in order to seek God, in order to seek His will, His way, and His power. Voluntarily setting aside fleshly appetites. Um, it's something that you do because you desire to do this in order to seek God. It isn't to manipulate God. 
we can't obligate God. We can't make God, we can't do anything to make God love us more. We can't do anything to hold God over a barrel, so to speak, because I did this, you need to do this. It is to seek God, and the purpose of fasting is intimacy with God. It's setting aside these fleshly appetites so that we can draw close to God. Biblical fasting always includes prayer. If you're going to draw close to God, you'll be talking to God. If it's about intimacy with God, that means communion with God, to know God. There are no set in Scripture, set times that say, this is how long you need to fast. There are several instances where they fasted, as here, three days. There are instances where they fasted 40 days. But the point is not the details of it. The purpose of it is, I need to draw near to God. I need to know God. And... And we understand the promise. God says, if we draw near to Him, He will draw near to us. So when God sees us, that we, you know what, more important to me than eating, is I am purposely setting that aside so that I can draw near to God. I'm I'm not going to go into the benefits of fasting here tonight Physically, um, there are many benefits from that. But let me just say this. When, when we purposely choose to, so to speak, shut down or say no to our physical appetites, it does allow us to have a focus as, as we continue in it on that which is eternal, on that which is spiritual. Like I said, I'm not going to go into the details of it tonight. Our purpose here tonight is basically to say, you know what, we read about and we want to see God work. We want revival. We're burdened for our nation but are we expecting God to work without the very things that we've seen throughout history God uses? There are biblical causes for fasting. And we just want to mention several of them tonight. And, and really, ultimately, to encourage us and to urge us to see there is a great need for us and and this is challenging to myself as well, a great need for us to fast and pray in our land. But biblical causes for fasting. Number one, to gain spiritual alertness and overcome temptation. When the soul shuts down, as I mentioned, the physical sense perceptors of the body, and only concentrates on the spiritual sense perceptors, the spirit, there is a heightened awareness 
that comes as we do that. Um, this aspect of, of seeking the Lord, um, setting aside time to seek the Lord, Jesus, before he went out and chose his twelve disciples, um, fasted and prayed. Before he was tempted, he fasted and prayed. And, and in Mark chapter 9, it says, this is often the key, the key to having great spiritual power. The disciples in, in Mark chapter 9, I may have said Matthew, but Mark chapter 9, they said, God, why can't we exercise power over these, these evil spirits? Why are we powerless? And Jesus said, this kind comes forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. There's a certain aspect of this kind. I mean, Ezra had victory, this kind of victory. And Nehemiah had this kind, the wall rebuilt in 52 days, amazingly so. And Esther saw great deliverance in Mordecai. This kind can come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. And it, it, it is a, a great opportunity to gain spiritual alertness and overcome temptation. It also is to seek God's will in a specific matter. Perhaps you're faced with a great decision and you say, I just don't know what to do. God loves it when we set aside time and say, God, I want your will more than anything else, and, and I'm, I am drawing close to you. I, I want to seek you. That is my purpose in this, and to seek you in this specific matter. It may be personal. It may be marriage. It may be family. It may be... Extended beyond that, it may be for the nation. But as we read with Ezra and Nehemiah, we will seek a way for us and for our children. And, and in seeking God in a specific matter. Thirdly, in repentance of sin. In 1 Samuel 7, Israel fasted and repented to put away their false god. In the book of Joel, we find many instances that Joel called for fasting because of God's chastening and and in attitude of repentance to turn from our sin. The book of Jonah, you're familiar with that. Jonah came and proclaimed judgment upon Nineveh, and the king of Nineveh realized their sin and confessed their sin and called for fasting and prayer in confession of sin. When we are burdened with the the guilt of our sin, 
we should have a strong desire to draw close to God. And God, this this will be devastating. It, it already is devastating to me. And God, I need your deliverance. I need your power. I need your will. I need your way. I need your power. I need you. And it's more important to me than feeding my fleshly appetites in repentance of sin. Fourthly, in concern for the work and the name of God. Nehemiah fasted and wept and mourned because of the conditions of Jerusalem. This was God's city, and it was in in rubble, and and he was broken about that. In concern for the work and name of God, to say, God, this is important to me, and it's even more important to you, And I am coming to know your mind. I am coming to see you at work. I am coming to know that, to you, to know that I am burdened and broken about this. And I want your heart in this. So I'm, I want to draw near to you. To get your heart in this. Concern for the work and name of God. Number five. To humble oneself before God. There is nothing that humbles us more than coming close to God. Intimacy with God. As we draw near to God, we see how holy He is and how unholy I am. We see how great he is and, and how feeble and fragile and minuscule that I am. And we are to be clothed with humility. And it does us well to set aside time to fast and pray and, and spend added time in the scriptures in seeking the Lord. It's not just, it's not just not eating and praying. It's listening to God through the Word. It is praying to God. And it is saying, this is more important to me than, than eating at this time. I, I want to be clothed with humility. There's another in bereavement. When there is deep sorrow, we read throughout the books of Samuel, David fasted in sorrow over the death of Saul and his sons. There was great grief and heaviness in his heart. You know, there, when there is great bereavement, a person naturally, oftentimes, just does not feel like eating. The appetite is gone. 
But fasting is not just not eating. It is seeking God. It is drawing near to God. And and the reality is, there comes heaviness in our lives that the grand weaver, as we mentioned this morning, is weaving our lives together and using our lives in the overall scope of things in his story. And there come some very heavy issues in life that God intends for us to run to him. And in those times, perhaps when our appetite is gone, to go to God. And the bereavement may be the loss of a loved one, or it may be a great, great burden that has come into our heart and life that that weighs mightily upon us. And and there is great grief that we put aside the fleshly appetites in order to seek God. Number seven... As part of worship, in worship, you know, if if you were to say, "Do you want to go to a, a worship service with me?" Yeah, what? Where is it? When is it? Well, it's um, it's a three day weekend worship get together where we're going to fast and worship God. You'd have record attendance at that, wouldn't you? We don't think of fasting. In light of worship. But in Luke chapter 2, Anna served God in prayers and fasting and worshiped God through prayers and fasting. What is worship? It is seeing the greatness of God. And if you set aside physical appetites to draw near to God, When you draw near to God, you will see the greatness of God, and your heart will be filled with genuine worship. We don't think of prayer and fasting in relation to worship, but to set aside time to seek the Lord in worship. And then, for deliverance and protection. For deliverance and protection. Esther and the Jews fasted and prayed, and they were delivered. We can go throughout the Bible and mention many instances of it. And and I'm not mentioning many examples of the New Testament, but throughout the New Testament, they fasted and prayed for deliverance. If there was ever a time in our nation that we as believers needed to fast and pray, it really is now. In an article I read um, about three weeks ago, it mentioned the headline that caught my attention Atheism becomes the largest religion in the U.S. 
For the first time in history, atheists constitute the largest religious group in America. According to the General Social Survey, the number of Americans who have no religion has increased 266% over the past three decades and now account for 23% of the population just barely edging out Catholics and evangelicals as the nation's dominant faith. That, that's our nation. As religiosity, and, and they're using broad terms, they're just talking about religion here. As religiosity has declined, social ills have abounded. Nearly one in five American adults suffer from anxiety disorder, which now constitutes the most common mental illness in the country. One in six Americans take antidepressant drugs, a 65% surge over just 15 years. The problem is particularly acute among younger Americans. It goes on and says depression has increased 33% since 2013. That number is up 47% among millennials and 63% among teenagers. It has been observed that politics is downstream from culture and culture is downstream from religion. A materialistic culture worships wealth. A licentious culture worships sex. A godly culture worships God. And John Adams said, Our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. Is there any surprise that there's a, there's a push to at least neglect if not get away from our Constitution. But to think, here in our land, atheism is the number one religion. And then I read just the other day, the, the essence of evil. Sex with children has become big business in America. Children, young girls as young as nine years old, are being bought and sold for sex in America. The average age for a young woman being sold for sex now is 13 years old. That's the average. You know there's ages older than that. Every two minutes, a child is exploited for the sex industry. That means we've, we've been in church for 55 minutes. In one hour, that means that 30, while we've been in church, 30 girls have been exploited for the sex industry. I mean, this article is just nauseating when you read it. Um, it's estimated that at least 100,000 children, boys and girls, are bought and sold for sex in the U.S. every year, with as many as 300,000 children in danger of being trafficked each year. 
I mean, for every 10 women that are rescued, there are 50 to 100 more women who are brought in by traffickers. This is, this is big business. Um, it's more lucrative and safer to sell teenagers than drugs or guns because you can keep selling them over and over and over again. So this is big, big business for organized crime. It goes on and shares. And I share all of this to say, do you think we need to fast and pray? I mean, it's not enough to just wring our hands and shake our heads and say, wow, that is bad. And as I was going through Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther, it's like, Okay, do you get this point? Fast, fast, fast. Pray, pray, pray. And yet it's easy for us to go on and just talk about how bad things are. And maybe, maybe, let's just say that's all we can do. And I don't say that minimizing it, but that's the place to start. It's evident that trying the political route doesn't work. I mean, Mordecai appealed to Esther, and Esther and the others appealed to God, and God intervened. And I don't know, but I know that God stores up the tears and the prayers as incense of the saints. And he keeps them. And if one person is spared because of intercession by you or me, that makes all the difference in the world. And I know everybody's busy and I don't have time to do this, well, you know, when when the nation's completely gone and freedom's gone and you're sitting in jail because of faith, your faith in Jesus Christ, then we'll have time. But then it's too late. And I don't say that as scare tactics. I say that... That's the testimony of history all throughout history. We are in great spiritual warfare. And, and I, I am not calling for a set time of prayer and fasting. I am appealing to you on your own to fast and pray. And this is something you do between you and God. But this is the least and the most that we can do. And it doesn't do us any good to study Esther if we don't learn from it. I mean, 
we are in we are in horrific condition. This article went on and and talked about the the pornography in our land has now moved way past soft porn to hard porn and and we are just a vile vile nation and only god can intervene at least to rescue so i do i appeal to you tonight that you would see the need I need to draw near to God and draw near to Him to know His will, His way, and His power in my life. I need His power personally and interceding on behalf of families and our nation. I appeal to you to say, God... I'm going to set aside this time to put away fleshly appetites to seek you. And it's not in order to manipulate or change things. It's to have intimacy with God because the one thing that will take us through this life is only intimacy with God. Knowing God. So I encourage you. Not because I'm asking you, but because I believe God is asking us to, and the need is great. So, I want us to close our service tonight by having a time of prayer for our nation And as God's Spirit burdens you, I I trust you'll just lead out in prayer and, and seek God and that then you would obey.